Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. Oh, look at that. I thought I was going to cut you off there, but I, you had this look on your face, and I was like, you know what? He has something in mind, and you just wowed us with what you just did. Yeah, just said your name. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, what's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to 10 Minutes. This is not what this is. Welcome back to Masters of Modern. This is the go-to Masters of Modern podcast. We talk about modern and other things, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. We have a guest on, Michael Grothy. Say hi, everybody. Hello. So, tell us about yourself. I am, have played Magic for a long time, and I am a game designer here at Kesco, and uh, we designed a few games, one of which just got released. Yeah, so today, as kind of a lead-in, we are actually going to kind of do... A, a breakdown of the design process and where Super Party Battle, the game that Casco just released, was released. We're also probably going to go over a little bit of the unglued stuff towards the end of the episode. It's a little bit of a fun episode since it's the unglued release weekend. And Super Party Battle is definitely on theme with that because it's a wacky cast of magic fighting characters. And yeah. Yes, I think uh, you mentioned that uh, Michael works with Kesco. Well, I think that it's more it's more relevant than that. Michael worked with Kesco for a very long time developing this game and other games with you, and now Michael is a part of the company doing game stuff here all the time. That's like a thing. He's, yeah. he's now responsible for lots and lots of game stuff here, which is really exciting because we have this game out and we have a bunch of other games in the can that you guys are going to hear about sooner than yep. later, and Michael's going to be involved in all of them. So welcome to the team, Michael. Yeah. 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 Michael knows uh, more about the games here than I do, truth be told, because he designs all of them with Alex. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so so we're going to break down. We're going to do kind of like if you are familiar with Mark Rosewater, we're going to kind of do the weekly breakdown or the the during the beginning of spoiler season breakdown that he does for each magic set of kind of going through the design process and the twists and turns and how that went. Uh, we're going to do that for Super Party Battle because we think you guys would enjoy something like that uh, to kind of understand what that is. And then, uh, yeah, and that's what today's going to be about. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about that's going on. So before we get into that, we want to make sure we do a little bit of shout outs. And I know people are annoyed by shout outs, but we got to do it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Mcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media. You I, can follow. I'm at Kess Wiley. Uh, Mike is findable on the Facebook group. He fits, into the, he, he fits yep. into the Twitter category. I'm an, I'm an occasional Masters of Modern Facebook group commenter, so you can find me there if you really want to. He fits into the Twitter group we like to call Creature of the Night. Uh, that's where we put our people that don't use Twitter who come on the show. It's Which a good is, group, though. I mean, like, Andrew Brown was on this show maybe the most of anyone. And he was a Creature of the he, Night for a long time. he, like, did not. He, really, he, like, he got Twitter halfway through. I think it's at Merklurker. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and he now uses it because he's a Wizards of the Coast employee. Yes. Um, so other shout-outs to be done. Uh, guys, let's see. Big one. Collected.company. You can find our show. You can also find The Command Zone. That is our sister podcast. They also do other awesome content about Commander and about other things like Game Nights, which is really fun. You can find that on YouTube. That's kind of actually, I think these days, their biggest platform. Uh, their YouTube stuff is like just bonkers. It goes all over the place. Right. Um, also, we have a Patreon, which you guys hear about a lot, but here's why it's super relevant. You're hearing us right now because... Your Patreon donations bought us the Zoom recorder, and we're about to get a camera to start doing video stuff with the Patreon funds that you guys have provided, which is so amazing. Right. So thank you so much for that. You get to know what we look like. So we, And this is relevant also because to, there's a contest going on uh, over the next month and a half for yeah. the holiday season. We're giving away four crazy staples, and Ben will kind of break down exactly what those are in a second. Uh, but to do that, 
you have uh, one of the ways you can get submitted to that is being a Patreon member. Uh, yep. And so you should go look check that out. Yeah. So the way it works, guys, is uh, you've heard me talk a lot about ten minutes of modern. Some of you have checked it out. What it is is you're getting ten minutes of extra modern content every single day. Uh, it's in two postings, two five minute postings every day, and it's on this app called Anchor. Anchor is like Twitter meets podcasting, but instead of tweeting. We record audio, and instead of tweeting back at us, you call in. We can then share your call-ins on the show like radio and respond to them. It's really fun. So what's really awesome is the Anchor, the app, is partnering with the Masters of Modern Podcast to give away a bunch of sweet cards. And uh, there's a contest that if you enter your name in now, you'll be in there to randomly be selected to win not only modern staples, but copies of Super Party Battle, the brand new Kesko game we're about to talk about. Uh, Alex will be signing a small number of copies and giving them away as random giveaways in the course of this contest. So here's how the contest works. If you download Anchor.fm and you find the station, 10 Minutes of Modern, which is a free download, it's a free station, and you call in one time between now and the end of November, you'll be entered in as a possible winner of either a Foil Tarmogoy, Foil Scalding Tarn, Foil Snapcaster Mage, or Foil Liliana of the Will. We'll be giving one away each Friday in December leading up to Christmas. So you start out by downloading the station, calling in with your name and your favorite card, and one of the other three things, if you do these two together, the call-in, and one of these other three things, those three things are, donate a minimum of $1 to Patreon, join the Facebook fan group, or leave us an iTunes review. One of those three things combined with calling into the station will get you entered as a random participant to maybe win one of these foil cards in December. And that's the contest, guys. So so listen to 10 Minutes of Modern. We had a new thing go up today with Corey Burkhart talking about the value of Logic Knot. He's on the show once a week on Tuesdays. We have other pros that come on all the time, and that's kind of what we're doing. So thanks for listening, and let's get into the show. Well, there's one last thing. Oh. Uh, so uh, a, few, uh, a while ago, we made a weird bet on Patreon uh, that if you donate at the $1 level, uh, ben Bateman has to say your name in the Fatal voice. This is a reference to the show Top Decking that Ben was a uh, guest star on regularly. And so we're going to have him say these people's names because we can now find them. There's a reason why we couldn't before. We're not going to go into that. But Ben, so, go uh, which, We will also uh, be recording this in video form and we will be posting this on the internet. Which of the uh, the names here am I looking at? These four. These four here? Yeah. Okay. So um, get your Fatal on. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm people don't know he's a vampire. And if you just want to skip 40 to 60 seconds ahead and you don't want to listen to this, go for it. Hello, my name is Fatal. Menmo Smith, thank you for donating to the Patreon. Welcome to the night. Andrew, you didn't post your last name. Big mistake. Welcome to the Patreon. Dylan James, welcome to the night. The Patreon appreciates your donation. I'm drunk. I'm a drunk vampire. What can I say? Casey Malone. Welcome to the night. Thank you for your donation. All right, guys, I'm back. All right, those before. I turned our mics down because it was you were really quiet and I didn't want to be out there. So now people can hear me. Great, you're back. I'm back. Sorry right. about that, everybody. Uh, and yeah, great. Cool. Good stuff. Cool. So now let's talk about Super Party Battle. Yeah. All right. So for those who don't know, and it's relevant because we just talked about top decking, so it's good that we're talking about it now. And Super Party Battle was original Davros the Junkanee. That is in the show Top Decking in the second season, one of the main characters was actually designing a drinking game based on Magic the Gathering uh, and trying to pitch it to Brian Kibler, and that was kind of his whole story arc. He eventually gets locked in a bunker, and four years later, I believe he's still in that bunker because we never you, finished season three. <laughs> for those of you that don't remember Brian Kibler, he used to play a whole lot of Magic the Gathering. And was now plays a whole lot of Hearthstone. Yeah, he's he still, still he plays the Pro Tours. some Magic. He's all just, a famer. For sure. He's just a lot less in the scene uh, than he once was. Right. And so because of that, uh, 
I started working on making it mostly because as, as a hobby at that point, I was really into game design, hence why I started a game design and toy company. And over the next three year, years was just casually making it. And then we started Kesco and it, we decided to launch a board game line. And one of the games we included was Davros. But at that point, it had changed to Super Party Battle, which made it more instead of a fantasy world themed where I think originally there were turtle pirates and yeti ninjas. It became much more of a... Um, well, it's on a college campus. It's a it's a wacky college campus ran by demons where different cliques are battling it out to be the best or the best party on campus and kind of like a kill a kill esque situation. Um, so yeah, why don't we why don't we start with the kind of the beginning of the process? And this is when Mike was a little bit less involved, so it, it's going to be a little bit more on me. But I played early versions of Davros, right, though, true. just not. I didn't design them. Right. <laughs> and, and to kind of tell where it originally started is it really started with, uh, there's a format of magic called Type 4. And the way Type 4 works is someone like a battle box or a cube or something else takes just a pile of cards that they think are really fun, puts them in a stack in the middle, and then each person gets a hand of, I think, five or seven uh, and can just play cards. They get unlimited mana and they get to play one card a turn. Now, that also means with counter spells and other things, they can each player can play one spell per another player's turn. But they just get to play things. And a lot of times there's just like big stuff that are like fun, cool angels that were like dirtily and never playable in standard, but are like really fun in this format. And uh, a friend of the podcast, who I believe has been on the podcast before, Cliff, uh, early on, yeah. um, had a type four list. And I got his list and I literally just looked at, okay, these are the board wipes. These are the big creatures that do a bunch of stuff. These are the big card draw spells. These are the big counter spells. And kind of just copy and pasted it and started making cards based on that type of skeleton to keep kind of the removal versus board wipes kind of separated because his was very balanced and he had put a lot of work into it. Um, at that point, we then re- then the challenge of making it as simple as possible because this is meant to be a game centered around partying and uh, possibly inebriation. And so we decided to focus on how many things can we just get rid of. So I mean, also one of the goals with the game uh, and I don't know how early this started becoming one of the goals of the game, but one of the goals of the game was it's something that you can take as a magic player and play with your non-magic friends. Right. And it's going to be similar enough to magic that you kind of get that like fun magic feel that you obviously enjoy by being a magic player, but you also, your friends are going to be able to pick it up in five minutes and you don't have to spend like a whole, you know, sitting, figuring out the stack or whatever, you know? Right. It's basically like, described as magic, the gathering meets King's cup. What's really fascinating about this game is that, even though you know you look on the box and there's these little glasses that are used as like uh, you know life counters and things like that, you'll see it. The drinking element is actually just totally surface level. It's basically just a game that you can add that stuff to if you want to. So it's a very and very. No, there are no places in the rules it mentions kind of any adult activity. It's all purely above the table. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool that the these cups you'll see on the front of the box they're they're a functional part of the game, but they're not functional part of the game in the sense that you need them. To actually have liquid in them, they could just be empty. In fact, in fact, the the piece of the game that they interact the most with would probably have problems if you put water in it because they sit on the only non-waterproof part of the game is the life counters are punch board, and so if you put water into the cups and those are used to do the life points. So the way the game works is right now there are cups and they have an arrow pointing down on the bottom and they sit on a disc that has kind of like a clock and that's how you keep track of your score. And that would not be waterproof and so that would be the one piece that would just get ruined by putting liquid inside of those cups. I mean, I think the whole idea with Davros and with this game was that like if you and a bunch of your buddies was to play 
type four or like the stack where a bunch of sweet cards are being played. Right. But maybe it was late and it was a weekend and you guys were kind of like feeling like you didn't really want to track the rules that hard. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys who listen do this because I've played games of casual magic with people who are like not in the scene and it's like so casual. It's like such a different experience. It would be kind of like doing that, except then if you wanted to drink with it, you could. Sure. And, and, and kind of the point, then this first starting point was how do we kind of take a lot of this away? So the first thing we did, or I did when designing it, was I got rid of power and toughness. It was just a single strength number. So there was a variable one, though. So it was like one to eight. I think the largest thing was a seven at that point, uh, who, was the, who was Davros, and he was the big kind of leader of the whole thing. Um, and even then, it was still like judging because there's no converted mana cost. This is an entire set where every single card is free or costs one move, your one card a turn. And so even at that level, that was problematic. So we eventually cut down to zero power and toughness and everything is just basically a one. Yeah, everything. I mean, you know, characters in the game are characters and they, you know... There's no, there's no number. Right. They just, they, you can party your attack. So, so we, you know, we went through many iterations of kind of how to get to that point, and we got rid of instant speed spells. So it was really about cutting it down so that you can literally give it to a player who's never played before. Of their five seconds, just be like, here's cards, just do what they say. You get to do two things per one, and just explain what the card types are, and you kind of walk through. And so. Because I think what ends up happening, is, and if any of you who listen to this who have thought about something similar, and I'm sure a lot of us have. When yeah, about there's the like the Buse cube out there too. There's just like fun stuff out there. When you think about, okay, what prevents magic from breaking through to the front as kind of like this highly accepted eSport level game that's filling arenas? What is it? And like what it is is there is simplifying the game to a place where all of these like complicated things like tapping and instant speed spells, those are the most complicated parts of the game all of the reactionary things. And so if you have to reduce those things, how do you get a result that doesn't feel like a stripped-down version? How do you add an element to the game that makes it fun in a way that doesn't just feel like it's simplified magic? And That's, so we added a bunch of wacky things, right. like pretending to be a velociraptor. <laughs> I mean, Hearthstone represents exactly what we're talking about, which is the most... That's the most competitive version of magic you can be playing that isn't magic. Sure. Uh, we didn't want to do that. <laughs> we, you, like, you wanted to make something that was more fun than that. Yes, well, so some of what this kind of the whole onus behind this was is I was working with tappedout.net. They did a community build your own set, and I was the main four judges, and I kind of run the skeleton for that whole program. And after we went through, it was almost a year and a half of effort of building a set with the community, never played it, never really did anything with it, and realized that we couldn't submit it to Wizards. It was kind of just a whole spending. It was really fun, but like the effort going into that, I would realize I'd rather spend on creating my own games and, and figuring out my own kind of stuff. And that's kind of at the same time that Davro started happening. And so moving that onus to like making my own magic set or making my own game that's similar to that started with making magic cards, which everyone kind of does at some point. I mean, Ben regular is like okay what could we do to make this card better and it's like well that card's banned in every format why do you need it to be better <laughs> i just like to talk about greatness okay yeah, you, oh, yeah mike doesn't know this but we did an entire thing last week where he went on a rant on how do we make bitter blossom a better card and would it be better if it made a token when it entered the battlefield it'd be dope right that's yeah i mean it would be better if it made a token when it what if you lost a light what, what if how it just, works every what, card would be better if it made a token when it the battlefield. okay what, what is so so even simpler than that what if bitter blossom triggered end of turn instead of beginning yes it would be better well yeah okay but it still wouldn't solve the problem of being able to like trigger something like a smuggler's cop for the turn you play it that's such a weird <laughs> corner case that's not relevant i feel like if it was an, if it made a token end of turn that would that be too good would it be like way busted 
I don't know if it, I don't know if that specific thing would put it over the line, but it would make it sh- better. Better. Yeah. At and least it by was, some of it was already close to too good right. and in previous formats that it existed in it was definitively too good. I mean from Fair. a de- from a design perspective, you know, when your opponent plays Bitter Blossom, you want there to be some counterplay to that card since it's hard to remove type, permanent type. So the counterplay is you kill them because they are losing life every turn. And if you're able to put pressure on their life total, then... Bitter Blossom becomes a hazard. It becomes of a, a hazard, right? Yeah. And so if you make a token end of turn and you're able to immediately chump block with that token, then it kind of removes some of the counterplay that yeah. is available for Bitter Blossom. Yeah, the tension that's created by that card's ability right. is like negated a little bit. I think that's an, that's an interesting point, yeah. I mean, so, you know, if you if you are a Bitter Blossom player and your opponent goes like turn two Tarmogoyf and you are like, do I want to just play this Bitter Blossom on turn two and then take a bunch of damage or do I want to kill this Tarmogoyf? And that's the counterplay aspect that you get to like... Yeah, being able to block with it the turn you play it is... is yeah, then there would be inherently. no decision to make. You just pl- slam the Bitter Blossom, block the Goyf, and then you're just... You kill the Goyf next turn. You're all good. Yeah. And that's why Mike is a designer at Kesko. <laughs> yep. So back to the history of Davros and soon to be Super Party Battle. Uh, it's around this time also that like really digging deep into the fantasy genre and getting like a very complicated game and really took a step back and like, okay, what is this trying to do? And I think at the same time I was going through a rewatch of Kill a Kill, which is an anime that's about a bunch of kids punching each other at school. Uh, when close, it's complicated. <laughs> um, but I realized like a cool, really crazy school where everyone's a wacky character, ran by demons, kind of in the sense of like Dragon Ball Z's heaven is ran by demons and just like kind of leaned into those tropes and changed the whole universe into that. And that's kind of when uh, we started selling it. And we brought it into the Kesco game line that we launched last year, uh, along with four other games. And people were just really responsive to like a cool college themed battle game where you're recruiting students from different cliques and... I mean, just looking at the box without having seen any cards or played the game at all, it just looks fun. And that was like really speaking to, you know, people who are looking to stock the game. You right. Know? I mean, even and at this point, like when you, if you play the final game, it leans really heavily on the tribes, which we'll go through or the, the clicks, uh, which we'll go through. But uh, at this point, when we started pitching it, the clicks weren't actually a really large inherent part of the game. They just were creature types. So uh Originally, there were the Ninja Turtles and everything else we were dealing with. I still think and we could do a turtle. Like when you said turtle pirate when you were describing Davros, now I'm like, ooh, man, we should put a turtle pirate in the next one. I yeah. don't know how we can make Sophomore that work in a year. school environment, but I'm going to do it. We have like jelly. Like we ended up putting a bunch of animals because those carried over from the original version yeah, of Davros. Penelope wanted. Lightning Lobster, very important character from Davros. Exactly. who's now also <laughs> in the game. So like the, there were these tropes, but the gameplay was fun and the, like, the jokes were fun with them. So we just kept them and put them as Greek pets. But... Um, Greek being one of the tribes, but because we just, I kept creature types and that just kind of kept being around and then people really responded to it. And then the artwork we designed, like for some reason were very much like Greek was the biggest thing on the card at one point that just ended up being very much what the focus was. And so it evolved into kind of a click focused thing. And then there ended up being six tribes. There's the four main ones, uh, being, uh, nerds, hipsters, jocks, and Greeks, uh, Greeks being like fraternity and sorority, uh, uh, students. And then, Freshmen, which are kind of the generic incoming group, and then faculty, which are a bunch of demons that are running the school. And each one kind of has its own mechanical identity and became much more of kind of like what colors are in Magic. Though any player can play anything you want because you're picking a card from the middle of the table. As far as, why don't don't we break down gameplay a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you, you know, you start out with three cards in hand. You play one card per turn, uh, similar to 
you know, type four, uh, which is the, the magic variant that inspired the game. And, um, you, you take, so you, you play one, you have a hand of three, you draw one card per turn, and then you'll draw back up to three at the end of turn. Typically you're only going to be drawing one at end of turn, but you know, there are effects that let you play an extra card or discard a card or whatever. So then you draw back up to three so that you're not at a disadvantage for playing an extra card. Uh, and then each turn you'll play either a character, a class, or a building. Uh, characters, you know, are similar to creatures in Magic. They, uh, you know, will earn you points or attack. And the buildings uh, are like enchantments. Uh, they're like more difficult to interact with, but they don't attack or earn you points. They just kind of have a cool ability. Some of them earn you points. It, the, they definitely interact more. So the idea is that this is a place that you have now expanded your party to. Uh, right. on campus and when you do that you unlock more cool things that can happen at your party right so if you're like if you're a nerd you know you might expand your party to the chemistry lab because that's what you're into and then the chemistry lab gives you some some cool nerd related abilities right and 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 you know something to kind of keep inherently is that there's no color resource you only get to play one thing so when you draw cards they're from all over the clicks it's just each click generally has some different ways that they benefit by having more of one so if you have a nerd in your hand that gets you points if you have other nerds in play you would save that until you can get other nerds and put them into play yeah so there's kind of like you know you want to there's some decision making in terms of what your which cards you're playing because if you have like a nerd card you might want to hold it until you draw another nerd so then you can like take advantage of some nerd synergy right and then and then on top of that each each tribe or each click has its own kind of mechanical identity um i don't think we did classes okay explain so classes. classes are the last card type they're basically just sorceries um that like have some effect so you know like alex was saying there are some you know board wipes or there's there's, there's classes that world. give you a little bit of yeah there's some warp world there's like a there's a scramble verse yep there's a take an extra turn yeah there's like uh you know look look at the top few cards pick one of them to play a little bit of card selection yeah um, so, the, so like, that way you're able to kind of put together your click synergies you know with and, the help of these classes. Right. And, and, and kind of the, the idea between all three is they all have function on different levels. One is your main point generating thing, which is students. One is kind of a thing that unlocks abilities for yourself. And then the other thing is just a one-time effect that generally needs to get you more than a card because you only get to play one card a turn. So if you're wasting a turn playing... You know, draw three cards or something. That's just not going to end up doing anything. Kind of. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so why don't we go through each click and kind of explain what each of them is trying to do. Uh, and I'm going to start with jocks. So they generally, there are four keywords in the game, which I guess we can also explain in the jock section to start here. And they're very focused on those keywords. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're mostly combat mechanics, which are like the simplest keywords in magic. Um, and they're, you know, they're what's easy to carry over. There's a double fist. So what the characters do is on your turn, each character can either attack or party. And if a character attacks, they're trying to kick somebody out of another player's party. Because the idea is that these characters that you're playing are, you're inviting them to your party because you're trying to have the coolest party. So you got to invite the right people. So you can use your characters to kick characters out of other players' parties. By attacking them, kind of a la Hearthstone. So my, if I have a character, it would attack an individual other character. And then my character would stay around. That's all it did that turn. And then the character it attacked would be expelled and put into the discard pile. Right. Uh, and then it can also party, which just gains you one point. 
uh, and points are how you win the game. You want to get to 10. So there's like, you know, you have to make the decision. Do you want to try and kick out that annoying character that somebody else has? Or do you want to get yourself closer to winning the game? Right. Um, and so you... The mechanics. So, so the, the four mechanics are all mechanics. each centered around kind of this combat or winning points. And the first one is Double Fist. Uh, double Fist is it gains you two extra. Instead of when it parties getting one point, you get two points. You're doubling the points. You're getting kind of double strike E, but there's no uh, combat related part of it. There's Toxic. So as we mentioned, if a character attacks my character, my character dies. And it does not. If my character is Toxic then both of them get kicked out. So it, it kind of makes it death touchy. Uh, yeah, and you there's have, kind of that, that like rattlesnake aspect that you that it makes, you know, is good in Commander and other multiplayer formats is where if I have a creature with death touch and you have to pick who you want to attack, it's not going to be me because you don't want to get knocked out by my death right, touch. Right, right. By, by attacking my death touch creature, you are now losing your own character. Um, and the next one is... Uh, Buzzkill and Buzzkill is when it attack when it parties you can pick a player and that player loses points instead of you gaining points. So they're kind of much more to kind of make sure, you know, if Ben was at nine points, you could attack or party with a Buzzkill character and then he would go down to eight points, making it so he was that farther away from winning. Right, and so a lot of the Buzzkill characters are like hipsters or nerds or like somebody you wouldn't want to party with, and right. that's it's <laughs> like you send them to somebody else's party and they just ruin the vibe, you know. Right, and then the last the the and, and with double fist those combos, so a double fist Buzzkill character would make someone lose two points instead of gaining two points. Uh, and then the last one is tough, and this was kind of the most complicated one. And it went through a few different variations, uh, partly because there was some need to keep something defensive and we had different defensive ones. At one point there was a version of Hexproof that existed, but it only had to do with if a character had attacked or partied that turn, then it lost Hexproof. Uh, so you could hold on to it to protect it for later and it ended up being a very uninteractive way and worked more in the world where there were a lot more kill spells and it was much more combat-based like magic. Uh, followed that, there was a thing called Taunt, which uh, before partying there was attacking and uh, so at that point, instead of me getting 10 points, I win. It was you have 10 life, and if I get you down to zero, you're kicked out of the game like magic. Uh, we moved away from that specifically because in a party game, you don't want the party to continue without you. So if this game were to end or you were to lose all your life, you went to zero, but the game would just continue and you'd walk away. Like in Commander, if you lose first, you're just out of the game. Your friends are going to keep playing, and you have to find something else to do. And we wanted to make sure we walked away from that game plan, so we made it more about points. And when we did that you were no longer attacking individual players, which means you no longer had to protect yourself as a player. Yeah, there's never that bad feeling like in Commander where you get knocked out first and you're just like, oh, geez, it's like turn eight. Like, I mean, I guess I'm just going to walk away and these people are going to play another 15 turns because it's Commander and it'll last forever. And then, you know, in an environment where you're just hanging out with your friends, you're just like sitting there on your phone or whatever while right. everybody else is playing. And that's that's no good. You know, I mean, Magic has that limitation, but we're designing our own game. We don't have to have that limitation. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it just it kind of makes it so that it's a race to the finish instead of a just last man standing king of the hill kind of thing. And, and then we felt like that was really important. And so that's when we came out with tough. Because the thing we realized is we had a lot of tribal mechanics now. And we were in playing a lot of things where we wanted to keep things in play for longer than they were. And coming up with a way for things to survive was really important. So what tough is, is when it enters the battlefield, you put a tough marker on it. And that comes in the game uh, as a punch out token. And it's a regeneration shield. So that character 
gets basically if it gets expelled for any reason instead of getting expelled you remove the the, the tough token and then the jocks in general as we kind of walking through each of the tribes the jocks focus on these keywords and the main one they focus on more than anything is the tough one so they have a lot of different characters that kind of do cool things with tough tokens and give tough tokens to other characters giving them basically the mechanic tough yeah so they're you know the jocks are tougher and they play hard party hard right or whatever <laughs> work hard play hard i don't know something like Sports, that so they yeah they they generally have a Neither lot of, of tough and jocks. tough ben, and ben double fist to do some work and he would be the jock of the three of us yeah they so they have you know tough and double fist more often because it you know shows that they're just tough tough yeah and, and double fisted and good at partying <laughs> yeah and, and then the other thing that all the tribes do is they really much lean into the tropes so beyond that there's a lot of physical challenge ones i think there's one that you have to do push-ups and you get to uh, expel a character for every push-up you do uh there's a arm wrestling card uh so they have a lot of physical ones and then they have a lot of like sports trivia or other kind of things that like are more in line with doing sports i think there's uh one of the classrooms they have is a crew and the last person to row a boat uh is the person who gets a negative effect on yeah and that's i mean that's one of the things that's really fun about the game is like all the individual cards have like pretty fun mini games by themselves but the best is when you know somebody else plays a card that makes them act like a bear or something and then while they're acting like a bear you like you know uh use one of these cards that makes them row a boat or something and now they have to like act like a bear while they're rowing a boat and then you know maybe somebody else starts singing because one of their cards like can allow them to start singing and everybody has to join in and so then now they're acting like a bear who's singing while rowing a boat and that's like you yeah know. you pile on combos that different cards do things and it's just making it so they don't try and get the negative effects to happen to them and you end up with these really funny situations where you get different ways of creatively applying things. There's like a car where you have to speak in a French accent. And if you have to sing a song in a French accent, that becomes a much more funnier situation than just having to do one of those individually. Right. Um, speaking of singing a song, I guess we'll do hipsters next because that's the next one. And and these kind of have a, a little bit of the loosest identity as far as a mechanical strength. They do have the most buildings of any tribe or clique. Uh, but they are really focused on kind of pop culture things of more of the art side. So they do a lot of movie trivia. They have a lot of singing. They, all the singing kind of cards involved. There are some dancing ones. So that, that's kind of the arts is definitely where the trope side of them is focused. Um, they have like a never have I ever as a thing because it's kind of playing on the... They tend to have a little bit more toxic and buzzkill because, you know... They're like, they're hipsters. Trope-wise, yeah. yeah they're, <laughs> they're not always somebody you'd want to be at their party because they're kind of snooty or it's whatever. Like, oh, you're drinking Coors Light. Have you ever heard of this weird brewery in the middle of Arkansas? And you're like, no. And you're like, oh, okay, you're not cool. Yeah. So they're just, yeah, they're toxic. <laughs> um, the next tribe being nerds. Uh, which I would uh, I would personally probably be in, and they they mechanically are very much they draw a lot of cards. They have a lot of classes. They have the most classes, and they trigger off of classes the most. So they have a lot of cards that if you play a class, you get this benefit, or if another player plays a class, you get to get a benefit from it or stop them from playing classes. So you're mm. the only one that can play them. Nerds love their class, you know. Right, and then and then as far as tropes go, they you know Talia cosplayer is one of theirs, where you have to pick a fictional character and play pretend to be them until she goes away. Or there's a robot dance one, so you have to do a robot dance. A little, little bit of trivia in the nerd side, too, but more nerdy-oriented trivia than, right. than what the other classes have. There's like a do, uh, they do like some math stuff. So there's a, a like multiplication one where you get a single-digit multiplication problem, and if you get it wrong, there's a benefit. And it's surprising how often people get single multiplication problems if you, if wrong. If you get it right, you get a benefit, right? I mean, no, 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 you get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, if you get it right, you get a benefit. Correct. Correct. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could get a multiplication problem wrong all the time. I, I, I thought maybe it might be if you get a it wrong, you get a negative. Which is it might a, it might be something. Yeah, like yeah. That. One or the other. I but think yeah. It, yeah, it might be like a curse that you play on somebody. You should buy the game to find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I, we I own the game, but I just don't remember that specific card because well, it probably went through multiple iterations. Iterations. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, so after nerds is Greeks, and uh, well, it, actually, let's put on Greeks. The next, the next, no, no, Greeks is next. Let's just go for the main four, and then, and they are obviously they're the sorority and fraternity guys. It was a little bit harder to find tropes that fit them, um, so we ended up leaning weirdly into as far as academic stuff goes. Like all of their classes are history classes, uh, because Greek is a pun or not a pun, but you know they're all based in Greek myth mythology e things or ancient greece is like a lot of what the tropes surrounding them and are. also economics and like business classes because they're the, the ones that are like yeah you join a fraternity to network right? yeah exactly and then uh for some reason we also gave them a lot all of almost all of the pets are in the greek tribe well, because you know if you're if you're living in a dorm you can't have pets Correct. but if you're living in a house outside of campus because you're in a fraternity then you can have a pet so right. you know the greeks are the only ones who can have pets so we leaned into that by giving them some weird pets like penelope lightning lobster yeah, and... who, who didn't have a lightning lobster in college <laughs> yeah i mean but yeah so so that's kind of where a lot of that carry they went with them and then the other thing they do mechanically is they really care about the freshmen freshmen is the fifth tribe uh, or the fifth click of the six different clicks available uh and they are very much the largest one and and the greeks are very much about recruiting them so they have different cards that look for the top 10 and you put a freshman from those into play or if you have a freshman you get points off of it or there's a, a card per set that if you have a one uh, for every one of a specific tribe you have and that's the tribe of the card uh, you get points for that and yeah, here so there's like you know there's a nerd card for each nerd you have you get a point for a each jock you have, you get a point. Right. And so, but the Greeks have one of those, but then they also have one that gains them points for Greeks and freshmen. So they are very much focused on getting kind of both tribes together. Yeah. Cause they want to recruit freshmen to join their, you know, their sorority or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the last, uh, the next one is freshmen and the mechanical identity of freshmen is definitely, they're a little bit simpler. Uh, they, they have a little bit of the catch all. If we had an ability that really didn't fit anywhere else or the trope behind it didn't really fit anywhere else. Um, they would be in freshmen. But the other one they have is they have a, a few generic tribal ones. So they have kind of pick your own tribe. So there's... Um, yeah, like a changeling kind of thing. Where it's like, oh, when this enters the battlefield, pick this. This card is that tribe. So you, if you have cards that trigger off of it, they can also benefit those cards as well. <coughs> and then the last one is the demon faculty, uh, which runs the school. The school is run by Dean Chadley, who previously was... Davros from Davros the Drunkening and has become Dean Chadley is a big red demon with a little person mask on his face um, and kind of everyone else there's like the no fun police there's just every kind of teacher trope is there as well and like all of school them, counselor and a security guard an and RA and so those that's kind of the last one and all those are very much like big powerful effects they meant to be a little bit more mythic feeling and everyone kind of has a little bit of a negative drawback but you get something great to go alongside of like, it like demons in magic you know they a little bit lord of the pity where you got to sacrifice creature every turn but if you do you get this huge beater or whatever you right. know you, you get some big effect you get to wipe the board but you you know lose a point for each character that you that you eliminate this way or and, and then the card frames are inverted so instead of the white innards and the black outlines you have a, a black inner background and white text and white outlines so it kind of plays a little bit differently into what the card frame looks like and those are the six tribes and kind of what they end up doing um 
So yeah, so that's kind of it for Super Friday Battle. I mean, like it's really exciting. You can go buy it right now at thinkgeek.com. Um, if you like magic, if you like doing wacky things, even if you don't, I, I've, I've put this in the hands of just people that I haven't played it before that play magic and almost all every single time just laughs ensue and people have a great time. So highly recommend it. You can buy it on thinkgeek.com right now. You can also win it if you are participating in the contest that we'll, we will be giving signed out copies. But um, between those two things and, and in the future, we'll be putting them in other places at local game stores. And if you have a local game store that might be interested, having them reach out to us would also be really appreciated. Uh, definitely check it out. It's really fun. We'll be doing kind of more videos uh, of gameplay and of kind of explanations of each tribe and, and start posting different pictures of some of the cool cards over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so keep posted on our Facebook group and Twitter and all that stuff um, to check it out. Uh, the other thing we're doing today, and it's kind of on theme because it's wacky magic. It's wacky magic. The week uh, is going over unglued. Now, Ben is back. What's up, guys? And is uh, classically notoriously not a fan of unsets. I just like it. I want I said this last literally last night on Anchor. I talked about this. I like the unsets for the reason that a lot of us in the modern community like the unsets. The lands are sweet. Um, aside from the lands, I mean, I am happy to see Steamflogger boss coming back. That's exciting. But aside from that, it like I I get my entertainment in different ways. So like I don't go to Magic for the for the experience that Unglued provides, right? Like it would be more likely that I would buy Super Party Battle for that experience if I wanted that experience because Magic to me is a different thing. That's why Magic is what it is to me. So so I, I would I'd say two things. First things, Unglued was the reason I quit Magic. So, like, Fair. after Tempest, when I was a kid, Unglued came out, and I bought packs, and I was like, oh, this is weird and dumb, and oh, I can't play with these cards. This is kind of silly outro. I mean, it was also the same time that I like, got banned at school, and then Pokemon came out, so it was, like, on board with something else at that point, because I was in the fourth grade. Also, at this point, I didn't know what the library was, so we can, because <laughs> of Portal, and they called it a deck, and then library, so it was very complicated. Oh, Portal's so bad. <laughs> um, but something to really be aware of, and this is something I think you will enjoy looking at this, is Wizards classically has used these as testing the waters on cool mechanics and seeing what they can do differently on cards in the future. So, I mean, full art lands and tokens both were ideas that they tested out in Unglued, and based on their success, they ended up making their way into black-bordered sets. Right, and and there's a bunch of random card designs. The packs come from from Unglued. The uh, rocket-powered Turbo Slug with right. Super Haste was the card that inspired Pact of the Titan, and then it ended up being a cycle in Future Sight. So, oh, so I, I was unaware of that. I, I like no, I like remember a lot of these cards because. They've shown up in various places. Like, for instance, Booster Tutor is a card that's in a lot of people's cubes. So I've played a lot of Booster Tutors. Right. I remember the BFG, or whatever that thing was called. BFM. The BFM. Um, obviously, Steamflogger Boss now, you know, Riggers and Contraptions. That's the thing we have coming back. Like, there are certain cards that I remember jumping out and, and seeing over the years. Night of the Hokey Pokey. But, like, I always just thought it was kind of silly. Not, but that's interesting you make that point. The other thing is that something that it looks like, and this is because you haven't really looked at the spoiler right now, this set seems to be much more built to actually be played in a draft format. Like, the first two unglue sets definitely felt more like, kind of like the original Magic sets, where they weren't really built for drafting, and they were just like, cool, these all are fun, wacky ideas, and there's some drafting mechanics, but, but and this And also, one... you know, it seems like the other unsets are always just kind of projects that they were doing on the side that they decided to release, but, but this unset, it feels like, because the last one was not very successful sales-wise, um, they're really trying to put kind of their heart and soul into producing it because the the you know the people in wizards r&d who really enjoy unsets and de enjoy designing them and want to see more unsets you know want to be able to produce more unsets this is like their big audition where if this sells well they get to do another unset and so i feel like 
you know, we're seeing a little bit more quality and hopefully when the whole set is out, you know, the set will be more fun on a, on a magic level and not just on a do the hokey pokey level. And, you know, there's things that this is doing that like magic could never do. Like for instance, there's the watermark mechanic that they're focusing on, which is that's like thing that's just only going to be an unset, but it's kind of cool that a card, if it has a watermark, there's, you know, watermark it that can, is a soul land for cards with watermarks. Uh, or there's like ineffable blessing, which is a card that is specifically referencing cards with flavor text or not flavor text. And that's just a thing that will never exist in magic, partly because there are multiple, like, Time Stop exists in three different ways. You know, the Lightning Bolt, there's versions without the flavor text and with it, and you can't have a card that references the same yeah. card differently. The printing can't, like, decide how the card does. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, and those are interesting, but uh, there's other interesting mechanics, like this recently spoiled card, Party Crasher. It can attack uh, once each combat during each opponent's turn. So it's able to attack during your opponent's combats as well as your own. Which is totally wild and that like right. it's generally something that they wouldn't do in Black Border Magic, but it also seems like the type of thing where like depending on how it plays out, maybe this is something that they would try and make work, you know? Obviously it would have to be worded differently because you can't just say attack during somebody else's combat step, but Right. And well and, like look at Corn Crow Storm, which is like everyone's favorite card of the set. That's mine for sure. Uh, I don't even need to see the rest. It, and it's just it's Storm, create a one two bird creature token. Named Stormcrow. Named Stormcrow. So it's it's like it's an in-joke that's so in-jokey that they would actually never print this because of that problem. And because Storm is never coming back, they'll never print this card. Right. I mean, we get to see some interesting old mechanics like Storm and Phyrexian Mana and like some cards but that... But this card in the rules of magic totally just works. Like there's nothing about this that couldn't be blackboarded. They're just uh, not going to give us Storm again because they hate Storm. They don't want to print a new... They, like Storm is never going to get new cards. Well, it might in, the, in a supplemental set like this, but... You know, they're not planning on re- releasing Storm cards. And on top of that, this is a very, very, very much an in-joke with the Magic community. And it's a little bit too in of a joke for Wizards to do something like that. Because it's, you know, the Stormcrow meme. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, the, you know, but then there's like Earl of Squirrel, which is like, this is a mechanic that could just exist. For six mana, you get a 4-4, four, four, and it has Squirrel Link. Whenever it does I, damage, make a Squirrel token. I don't know that Squirrel Link could exist. Well, but It would I think probably be a triggered link. ability and not something, not something that doesn't use the stack like this i mean if you think about cards no, but i think i can i think you could have the the rules of this of do damage make tokens make one one tokens equal to how much damage you do yeah but if you were to template this in black border i think it would probably be a triggered ability it would be whenever you whenever this creature deals damage you uh you know whenever use the trigger word right uh sure this deals damage make that many one one green squirrel tokens rather than well, damage dealt by this creature causes right damage dealt yeah, by yeah, this yeah. creature causes they just wanted it to be the same templating as lifelink which right. lifelink does not use a stack you know i suppose i could imagine like mazes end and the and the gates or something having some funny mechanic originally and then they just changed it and made it a real thing like i can i guess i can see things that have existed over the years having maybe started in a set like this so it's interesting it's interesting right. and like the contraption mechanic is definitely like as out of the box as you can be because it adds like an entire new type of game to the game but this is the type of stuff that they test here because they know they can get away with dumb things but then if well, it's resident it, enough or it works they can then change it slightly change think the name. about it change the name to be because like well you know what 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 mike is describing the mechanic of as a keyword when this does damage create tokens equal to that damage is a totally printable ability this templating and including squirrels makes it an unset thing but right. you make that soldier tokens and you make it a trigger effect and that's a easy mechanic that they can print tomorrow totally and um you know like the the contraption mechanic is actually interesting because 
strictly speaking, there's nothing about it that's silver bordered. I, I would say the main thing that's keeping it out of black border is, I mean, the wacky theme, obviously. But right. this this could have been in in Kaladesh with, you know, Aetherworks Marvel being a contraption instead of something called, you know, Boom Flinger. And, and it would have made sense, you know. But um, I think the main barrier for contraptions is more the complexity aspect. But I think this is a good place to be able to test high complexity uh, cards and mechanics because... You know, uh, it's a supplemental set similar to like, you know, a master set, modern masters or iconic masters or conspiracy where they kind of are willing to up the complexity because they expect it'll only be bought by experienced players and not by new players. You know, obviously this this set shouldn't be anybody's introduction to the game. This should be something that, you know, people who are going to appreciate the jokes and people who are willing to accept a higher degree of complexity are interested in playing. But, you know, if they you know, uh, over the course of people playing with contraptions and people say like, you know, I think this mechanic is really great, uh, you know, and, and it seems like it's easy for people to get it. Um, we could see something more similar to this happen in black border. I mean, right. there's nothing about it that is silly, you know, uh, it inherently, inherently the yeah. game or something. Yeah. Um, and like stuff like do it yourself. Serif is, just a playable card. It's you know, it's just it's probably slightly too good. But whenever you it attacks, you can search your library for artifact, and then it gains all of that artifact's abilities. And so you kind of can build your own. These are cards that could exist. Something that's been surprising to me is because I agree in previous unsets they had stuff that just like this isn't a real card. Um, but so far, everything in here seems more like it actually just plays. Like an actual magic card, they're just doing something much more creative with it. I mean, there are really certainly cards that that don't play or super silly like hangman obviously includes a mini game of the little pen and paper game hangman and that would i mean that's pretty silly i right. mean i i think that the gameplay on that card is going to be really fun personally yeah. i mean i'm i'm going to draft this set a lot but <laughs> well but if you look at like the original unset had half mana and or it had half power and toughness which was just kind of like a wonky well, that was thing unhinged, unhinged, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah the 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 original two sets had um infinite mana as a thing that a thing can do yeah just tap add infinite mana to your mana pool. right which yeah. like works but these are like things that there's a card with one million cmc so like these are things that are just like much harder to really accomplish versus these things that all kind of like do something that they never do like rules lawyer is a card that like doesn't really think it could never actually be printed because of just how much reminder text has to be on this card i don't know if you've seen this but basically it's just your other permanents and you don't have state-based actions anymore, which like the you would think would break the game, but they explain it out here and there's just, it doesn't. And they, well, they mostly explain thing. it out. It also says uh, for, for complete, complete rules and, and uh, sorry, this previous really small regulation. Please see rule 704, which is an interesting piece of reminder text, but right. they ran out of room. <laughs> so yeah. So that's like why this ability could never work is because for the rules to actually be available, it would be impossible to have a reminder of it. But like basically what this is, is it's, it's, uh, um, Platinum Angel with Indestructible and a version of Indestructible well, it's not indestructible. that works on... It, all your other stuff is Indestructible. Yeah, that gives and everything also Indestructible. also can't... You know, your Planeswalkers don't go away when they have no yeah. loyalty. It's <laughs> it's like everything has super Indestructible. Can't, can't you know... Minus one, minus one counters don't kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's like, for the most part, just the thing that, that works. And so, like, it's very interesting to see that they seem to have leaned more on a... 
let's see how much we can bend the rules of magic versus let's just make things that don't work but are funny. So let's talk a little bit about the lance because I do think that overall it's the thing that the people of this podcast are probably going to be well, there's, own the most copies there's of. There's foil tokens as well. And they've said that there's going to be black bordered tokens, you know, something. I assume there will be a zombie and a goblin and maybe in, uh, you know, uh, soldier, soldier or something. The yeah. I hope maybe, there's not a foil angel. Maybe I'm alone here. My foil angel token. Maybe I'm Your alone foil here. angel is still quite rare. I definitely I think, think tokens are flipped. Yeah, I definitely think tokens are cool. Like I, I like good tokens and I like when people have them sleeved and everything like that. It's never been something I've prioritized. I, I would like prioritize having like a cool full art foil land far, far more than I would ever prioritize having a token, like the correct token. Sure. I'll just use a penny or but a quarter. The, those like, foil double-sided tokens are still people. worth eight bucks. I mean, they're bucks. both they're both black-bordered gameplay mechanic relevant cards, but they're not required, I right? Like, I yeah. can use, you know, M15 basics, and it's, you know, the I, same yeah. as if I'm using these unhinged lands gameplay-wise. And it's the same with tokens. You can use a penny, and it's the same gameplay-wise as if I'm what, using what a are foil. Unhinged, what are unhinged foil lands worth at this point? Like, what's like a what's like an unhinged foil island worth at this point? It's got to be worth well, 60. Un- yeah. 60? Island, and then yeah. the other ones are worth like 40, I think. Wow. Still crazy. Right. now. And, and, like, yeah, I definitely agree the islands are going to be the most relevant. But, like, <laughs> I would pay probably good money for foil spirit tokens because Lingering Souls is in... I don't think I've ever had a magic collection of magic decks without one of them playing Lingering Souls. <laughs> um, so I think there's definitely an argument across the board where those are those are valuable for people and the draft experience. I think those are like the three reasons that as a sit down out of the box draft experience one time, people are going to have fun with it the same way that like even seeing a a B comedy is like going to not like make you blow your brains out. Is there only one? There's only one. Uh artwork uh, choice for each land right yeah correct. One. correct yeah cool okay but yeah i mean so you get if you draft you know you get to keep your three lands and three tokens that you open from each pack so you're getting a little bit of value out of the draft it's one not like you're just throwing tokens. your it's two tokens per pack two tokens per pack one land oh, that's sweet. pretty good yeah so you get two tokens and one land per pack and those have the potential to have some value. So you're not just throwing your money away. And then you get the experience of drafting, which, like, I'm a big drafter myself. Um, and so, you know, I think that this is going to be really, like, an enjoyable draft experience. Uh, and I'm not just... I can justify it to myself a little bit by actually getting to keep some lands and tokens that I can then, you know, sell or trade or, you know, keep for my decks. Right. These lands are like the iPhone X of of uh of lands. They're like almost borderless. They look awesome. Right? They're yeah. like they, they are have, borderless. Yeah, I mean obviously not entirely because you have to have like the, the title of the card. So, <laughs> so they have the like bottom, something. but the title well, the, the title, title is, is sitting opa- on top of the artwork. And it's a, it has an opacity on it so you can see through it. So it's not it's less of a border than normal. The bottom does exist, so there's yeah. the black bottom, but that's just the thing that's on every card. Yeah, so I'm saying they're 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 as close to the iPhone X of lands. I think the can iPhone get. X has some edges. Yeah, it's, it's not edgeless. This is like the should we call this nearly the infinity pool of lands? Yeah. Is that smarter? I think it just <laughs> is the infinity pool of lands. Okay, because the Fair. the black part is the part you walk into. Yeah, right. And then you see off into the distance on the other side. Do but you the, think is having an infinity pool at this point like? Is getting an infinity pool at this point in 2017, if you got like a really, really nice house, is that like a douchey thing to do now because it's like kind of played out? Or is it I don't just think it's a douchey thing to do. I think your house is nice. I don't like <sighs> it's like it's such just a... expensive for reasons that don't need to exist. Yeah. Um, infinity pools are like awesome. It's like it's it's kind of the equivalent of buying like a like a, a ridiculously luxury car or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Or an iPhone X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure everybody will have an iPhone X eventually. That's how they always do it. An iPhone comes out and it's like, this is way too expensive. Nobody ever pay this much for a phone. And then everybody has one two years later. Yeah. I didn't get the X. I bought the 8 Plus. All right. So I think that's it for the episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it on that, on the iPhone X comment. Oh, wait. I had something I wanted to say because you reminded me when you were talking about Pokemon. Just because I think the listeners of the show probably would think this is kind of fun. Um, uh, that, do you want to be the very best? That no one ever was? Yeah. To catch them as my real test? Is it? Do you know the words? To train them as my cause? I didn't know the words. I used to know them and I forgot them until this thing happened this week. So uh, some of you guys are probably going to listen to this and watch Justice League this weekend, I would imagine. Um, I interviewed Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg. I sat down with him for an hour this week. And wouldn't you know it, Ray Fisher is a massive gaming fan. Huge. Like, a total tabletop gamer. Buys, like, games at game stores, plays them with his buddies on the weekends. Uh, and I was like, what song do you want to open this interview on? And he was like, I want to open on the Pokemon theme. And I was like, really? And then we opened on the Pokemon theme. And not only did we open on it, but he like legitimately belted all the words. We like do a rendition of the Pokemon theme together. And it caught me so completely off guard that I'm like not doing a very good job at it. But it's real funny. It got picked up by comicbook.com this week. So you can go find it there. But um, look up Ray Fisher, Ben Bateman, and you'll find it. it it's it's funny. So, cool. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, beyond that, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to f- buy Super Party Battle. Yep. More importantly than literally anything else, go to thinkgeek.com. Look up Super Party Battle freshman year. Buy it. Uh, we would love to get videos of you guys playing it or just tweets of pictures of you guys doing fun, wacky things while playing the game. Uh, also, something we're like maybe going to try and figure out how to do and have no way of figuring it out and would love to hear community feedback is how to make a constructed Super Party Battle deck uh, and battle each other with them. So let us know if you guys try that out and can come up with a cool idea on how to accomplish that. Make sure to follow uh, Ben on Patreon to do this whole Patreon contest that he's going to explain right now. Well, you don't follow me on Patreon. You follow us on Patreon. Us, yeah. I was going to lead it in because you can win a copy We'll follow of you Party like Battle. the leader into sure. joining people on Patreon. You guys can win <laughs> copies of Super Party Battle, and the ones that you can win are going to be signed by Alex. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I didn't make it super clear, because I know it's kind of complicated sounding, download Anchor.fm. It's a free app. Find the station, 10 Minutes Modern. Call in, share your name and the fact that it's part of the contest, and do one of the other three things. Those three things are donate a minimum of $1 to the Patreon, Join the Facebook fan page, or or it's a group, actually. It's a group, not a fan page. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the last one is give us an iTunes review. And if you do the first thing plus either one of the second three things, you will be entered to win Foil Tarmogoyf, Foil Scalding Tarn, Foil Liliana of the Veil, and Foil Snapcaster Mage. And we're giving those away. All you have to do is call in, do one of the other things before the 30th of November. And throughout December, we'll be giving stuff away. So do that. Woo! And I want to also thank Mike for coming on. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for helping design the game, and thank you for participating in the place that people can find you and just tag you in posts. Everyone just tag Michael on the Facebook group. Hashtag creature of the night. What? <laughs> tag what? Michael Grothy and then hashtag creature of the night. Maybe ma- do it in one thread. Don't don't murder Hagen Kirk, who I'd also like to thank for moderating the Facebook group. The Facebook group is growing exponentially. It's crazy. We're already at 2,200 people. Uh, I literally wake up every morning and I have to like accept 30 people into the group every morning. So that's great. And I'm really appreciative of everyone joining the group, being part of the community. You know, we talked about this before getting on to talking about unglued and why Ben might value unglued in the first place. But, uh, 
you know, the community is very much about taking cards and looking at the way that how can we play this? And, and, and I'm really proud of everyone there for not being kind of just like, oh, that card's never going to see play or your deck's bad, but really being like, oh, how do we make this work? And what's the best way to make this something exciting? And that's definitely what the community is about. And thank you guys, everyone on there. And I mean, that's how that. that's how decks like Lantern Control get made. You know, right. I mean, True. how many people do you think told Zach Elsick that this is a trash deck? Why are you even trying to make Lantern of Insight work? It's just it's from one of the worst sets in modern saviors of kamigawa just don't even try it and then he did and now it's a thing right no, I, rem- <laughs> enter, I remember sitting enter chronozoa that's my attitude <laughs> about chronozoa <Yeah. laughs> and like i know i'm generally on the podcast the guy but i also am the one off the podcast telling ben to bring these things up so um but and and last but you know there's just it's an attitude you should have in magic in general just always try new things that's the point exploring this stuff and that's what's cool about unglued is that you get to they're trying new stuff and they're trying different ways to think out of the box and if you can win an fnm with at least two noggles in your deck alex will send you a foil place out of every noggle Thanks oh for yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah there's a contest on twitter last thing <laughs> uh noggles the red blue donkey tribe <laughs> donkey people <laughs> tribe from uh lore shadow more block even tied shadow more yeah yeah uh there are Four different ones ever printed. Uh, they are both hybrid, blue, red. And if you can win an FNM with two or more of them in your deck, main in deck. your main deck, uh, I will send you. And they you have to, to be the first one to do They have to send you it. a deck list. They have to send me a deck list and, and photographic evidence of like the tournament report or something along those lines with like the store. Alex will take a $5 bill. He'll tear it up and put it in an envelope and send it to you because that's worth more at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> People are super hyped. It's like a trophy for winning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely. That's worth much more than a ripped up $5 bill. Is the I'm going to sign them so you know that they are the ones. Showing people the noggles in your binder and being like, I won an FNM with noggles and won the Masters of Modern Contest. That's priceless. Yeah. If I was you that won this, and I may try to do this, <laughs> um, and, well, make you, and make you send me the prize to my house, okay. um, I would I'll, absolutely if, put all of them on like some interesting looking collage, frame it, and then fight with my girlfriend about getting a space on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the right move. I think anybody would do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm actively trying to get the Nicol Bolas <laughs> Comic-Con poster on a wall in my apartment. I have not succeeded yet. I've lost every battle. My Patrick Swayze collage. Well, you only have one bedroom too, right? Yeah. I've like conned my way into a two bedroom. So I get a closet and like a shelf in that second bedroom that no one is in other than guests that stay at our apartment once every six months. <laughs> I've lost literally every battle. Yeah, you're not gonna win them. They don't they don't go oh 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 we had an engagement party this weekend and one of our friends got a Star Wars pillows. Yeah. One is oh, that they say I know I love you and, and it has like the ear bonded for Leia and the other one says I know and it's got the Han Solo yeah. pistol. Awesome. And Whitney has put them on the couch. Great because it's her friend that bought it for us, so she feels obligated. It's like the best. So that's clever. All of Whitney's friends listening to this podcast buy her nerdy things <laughs> on behalf of me. <laughs> You've gone off the rails. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys. For your attention. I'm assuming people tuned out that don't care. <laughs> okay. uh, have a good one. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yo, make sure to check out the command zone. They do awesome content and they do a bunch of unglued stuff this week, too. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.